Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the 3304 Sports Podcast. I'm Robert Bateman. Alongside me, Ryan Wilkes and Gavin James. Boys, let's just jump right into it. So men's basketball this year, currently sitting at 14 and 9, 4 and 8 on the season in the ACC. They just came off a massive win. Men's basketball upsets number six, UVA, 74 to 68 inside Castle Coliseum. Quickly, let's just jump in. Ryan, what are your thoughts on the game? I personally wasn't there, didn't get to see it. Watched a little bit on ESPN, but not a lot. Yeah, I mean, first, the atmosphere was amazing. I mean, unbeatable. That's allowed us to have heard Castle Coliseum, and, I mean, definitely all this year, even with the UNC game, I think the crowd was just really into it. And from the tip, I mean, Tech led from the start till the end. It got close a couple times. It was never really Tech running away with it, how it thought it, how I thought it might have looked uh, when Tech went up 10 in the first half. But UVA stayed right there the whole time. They've always been that team that's, you know, not going to let you win the game easy. Um, Sean Padula definitely responded to his game in Charlottesville where he did not play very well. He was excellent against Kihei Clark. Um, really outplayed him. I think Kihei Clark had a good game too overall, but uh, Sean Padula was definitely the star of the show for the Hokies and just an overall really complete performance. And it shows people what everyone knows about Virginia Tech is that they're better than their four and eight record in conference. A lot of that being due to the loss of Hunter Couture for a couple weeks. And, you know, Virginia Tech, people might look at them and think they're not really a bubble team, but we're going to get into it later. They are, and they have a chance to make a run and really build a resume. And I think that UVA game kind of put the eyes back on Virginia Tech in terms of the selection committee, uh, looking at Virginia Tech and and really debating whether or not this is a tournament team. And, you know, it was just a huge win. They needed it. They're playing like they need to win. And I'm interested to see going forward if they'll have that same uh, urgency in the games upcoming. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. And you talked about the loss of Hunter Couture. And in that stretch, they lost the four games without him. Plus, they ended up losing seven games in that streak. And it's one of those things where with them back, it's a it's night and day what this Hokies team is. I mean, you have just the ability to spread the whole perimeter. Sean Padula, when he starts knocking down threes, Hunter Couture, he'll always give you at least three a game. And then you have Grant Vasily inside who can shoot a little bit on the outside of the perimeter, but mainly does his work in the post. It just, it comes together well. I mean, we've seen Justin Mutz take a step back this year scoring-wise simply because he can just dish the ball and sit in the middle of the arc and just start dishing. Yeah, and that's sorry. And that's what I wanted to highlight on is Mutz being able to do that. He did take that step back in scoring, but he's a much better distributor this year than he was last year. He is that true glue guy that the Hokies need. You know, he's getting the tough buckets when we need him at the end of the game. And you saw it time and time again in that UVA game when he was able to come up with a nice bucket right at the end just to keep Tech a little bit ahead and not allow UVA to get back in the game. Yeah, I think with Mutz, especially, talk about stepping back and not really trying to, I mean, he is trying to score, but taking that step back, and you see in these games where Mutz has multiple turnovers, he's trying to do too much. If you watch it, he's trying to create off the dribble too much. He's trying to make all these crazy passes. When he just sits back and plays his game, he, especially against Syracuse, really distributed well and still got his buckets. I mean, he almost had, he was on triple double watch by the end of that game. He just really had an excellent game. And going back to Hunter Couture, you look at these, Robert, you mentioned you're going to get at least three out of Hunter Couture every game pretty much. And that's all they needed in a couple of these games. One possession losses to Clemson 
uh, games that Tech could have easily won had they had Hunter Couture. I mean, the Clemson game was maybe the worst offensive performance of the season for Virginia Tech, aside from the time they traveled to Clemson, in which they only mustered 50 points. But it really, the offense was just not there. It was not connecting. And especially, too, on the defensive end, Hunter Couture is arguably Tech's best on-ball defender. Now, I don't think it's really all that close. Hunter Couture can put you in a chamber. That's what he did to Joe Girard when Syracuse came to town. He really is a really valuable piece of this Tech team that they're a completely different team without him. And we saw that, you know, the offense was stagnant, not moving the ball, not shooting well. Hunter Couture, he's got to have someone on his backside the whole time. And that opens up the floor for Mutz, Padula. And Couture didn't even have any points until midway through the second half on Saturday. So that just shows you how much, especially off ball, Hunter Couture makes an impact in getting other people open. You see open lanes for Bazillion Mutz. They both had dunks in which there was nobody to be found in the lane because that defense is just pushed out when Hunter Couture is on the floor, and it makes just a really big impact uh, with this Tech team. And I think that's going to be the key down the stretch is keeping who we have on the floor healthy, uh, especially Hunter Couture. Yeah, I completely agree. And let's go back to that Syracuse game you're talking about. So being a Syracuse native, I was actually at the Syracuse game against Virginia Tech in Syracuse in the Carrier Dome or now the JMA Wireless Dome. And you could clearly tell Hunter Couture was not there for the Hokies. Joe Girard, who usually used to play point guard for Syracuse, now moved to shooting guard this year. He had a field day. I think he ended the game with roughly 22 points. You could correct me if I'm wrong. But you could just tell that Joe Girard was having his way. Sean Padula was in foul trouble the whole game. And the Hokies just really did not look together on defense. Whereas then you get the Hokies inside Castle Coliseum with that VT support that they always get. And Syracuse just looked rattled. It felt like Virginia Tech couldn't miss in that first half. I mean, you had guys chucking up NBA threes, and it was nothing but net every time. I mean, the nylon was just getting destroyed by Virginia Tech from deep. So you can really tell that when Hunter Couture is there as well, that the team just looks more coherent. And especially on defense, like you said, I mean, Joe Girard, Judah Mintz, Judah Mintz, a player who's probably going to go one and done to the league next year. He really didn't have much he could do against the Hokies. And Joe Girard looked non-existent the whole game. So that kind of brings me into our next topic that I want to bring up is the Virginia Tech men's basketball team is currently 0-7 when they're on the road, which their record doesn't necessarily show it. But when you look deep into it and you realize they have not won a game away, you really have to start to worry, especially with their next game being against Boston College in Boston tomorrow. Well, Robert, I think that game's actually in Castle Coliseum, but they do. Actually? Yeah, they do. Oh, my apologies. They played played at Boston College, and they did lose that game, to your point. They lost at Boston College, to your point, of Tech has not won a road game. I was actually at the Charleston game when Tech lost to College of Charleston. You know, they've got to find the way to manufacture that energy that they are given at home. They've got to find a way to get up and play. And the reason why going to Boston College it's such a hard place and really where good ACC teams go to die is because, you know, there's no energy in that arena, not even for Boston College. I mean, the energy that is there is towards Boston College, but there's nobody there to really create an atmosphere. And that's why Virginia Tech has struggled so much there in the past couple of years. But tomorrow is a big game. Every game from this point on, we'll get into that in a bit, is a big game. Two out of their next three games are on the road. And not necessarily top tier ACC teams, but it doesn't really matter with this tech team. You know, they've really struggled on the road. They've got to find a way to win these next two games on the road because, you know, for them to make a run at the tournament, they're going to have to either win out 
or they can really only afford one more loss. And so before we jump into the NCAA tournament, let's look at the ACC picture right now, especially seeing that Virginia Tech, almost all of their losses are coming in the likes of the ACC sitting at four and eight right now. It looks like we're geared up to have to expect another Cinderella run story out of Virginia Tech. I don't know if the two of you would agree or not. I would definitely agree with you. I think that, you know, Tech is, if they plan to lose any more games this season, they're going to have to take a step up in the tournament. They're going to have to go deep, if not win the whole thing again, to be given the nod for the tournament. Yeah, my thing is, I think there is an avenue in the regular season for Virginia Tech to make a case uh, to, to get to the NCAA tournament. I'd say in that case, the only game they can afford to loss and the only game I think that they won't be favored in going forward is at Duke. Um, but I think looking at last year's selection process, it interested me because when Virginia Tech got in, even after winning the ACC tournament, they were, what, a 10 seed? I mean, it shows you that the committee doesn't really hold these ACC tournament games with much weight. I mean, because it showed that Virginia Tech did not win the ACC tournament, they were out. I mean, to the dismay of many Tech fans, they would have thought, oh, we beat UNC, we beat Clemson, we beat Notre Dame. Why was that not enough to get in? I, I don't know the exact reasoning, but that would have been the decision at the end of the day. So I think there's a case to be made there that the ACC tournament games, especially this season when the ACC is pretty weak, in my opinion. I mean, you're talking about UVA, then a big gap in Pitt, I think is the talent differential here uh, in the ACC. And Miami too is in the mix. But again, it just, it, it interests me to see that, you know, Virginia Tech would not have made the tournament had they lost to Duke in the in the championship game. That's just the reality of things. And I think uh, Tech, Tech does have a chance to make a solid resume. I mean, looking at the way the committee sees them right now, Joe Lenardi has them right outside the bubble at four and eight in conference play. So if that says anything, Virginia Tech rattles off multiple wins down the stretch here and looks impressive, wins four or five in a row. I think they're firmly back on the bubble. You know, if they, if they finish the season over 500 in conference play, I think there's a legitimate case. Uh, it certainly wouldn't hurt to win the ACC tournament again, take that uh, maybe tension away in the suspense. But I think there is an avenue for Virginia Tech to make the tournament with the slate of regular season games left to come. I'd have to agree, especially with eight games left in the season. And I'm counting right now, you have one, two, three of them at home, four of them at home. Half your games at home, you'd have to expect Virginia Tech comes out with wins in those four games on the road. They need to piece it together still. So, Ryan, what I want to ask you is where do you see Virginia Tech ending the season? And then we can roll it straight into how do you think their tournament layout will fall? Yeah, I see this Tech team finishing over 500 in conference play. Uh, it's not a very daunting last stretch of the schedule. I mean, you've got your tough games, most of them at least, are at home. You've got Pitt at home, Miami at home. Boston College, I wouldn't say, is a tough game. And then you round it out with Florida State at home. But you do have four road games, one at Notre Dame, which is right after the Boston College game, at Georgia Tech, at Duke, and at Louisville. Um, I think these are all winnable games for Virginia Tech. Uh, I think you also got to look at they need to root for some teams to keep winning to stay in quad one, uh, which is where Tech – their strength right now is in their resumes. They do have a couple quad one wins that look good on the resume. I, I see this tech team finishing over five. I do think the one loss comes at Duke. 
I would be surprised if they're favored in that game, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're favored in every other game because I've seen that Vegas has liked Virginia Tech quite a lot this year. They're actually favored at home against UVA, a top 10 team. It's just because the respect for Virginia Tech is there. They just need to put it together and show people why they are still respected uh, in the NCAA tournament picture. I do think it's going to be very similar to last year. They won't face Clemson in the first round, but it's probably going to be a Syracuse or a or a Pitt potentially, uh, depending on how they finish the season out. But it's not a very good ACC, but it has shown to be a competitive ACC. Still multiple teams ranked in the top 25 in Miami and UVA and NC State. And Clemson might still be in there as well. I'm not 100% sure. I know they've struggled a little bit recently, but – you know, Pitt has been a surprising team, too. They're probably right outside the top 25 looking in. So winning these games down the stretch is going to be huge, not only to improve their re- resume, but to build that momentum that they had last season going into the tournament in which they rode that out and eventually took the ACC crown. And I think this year uh, the conference is a bit weaker than it was last year, too. So I do think there is room uh, to expect that. It's a worst Duke team this year uh, that they faced in the championship last year. Uh, North Carolina is about the same. They might have a similar Cinderella story than they had last year. Uh, UVA is beatable. NC State is one of the ones I'm worried about as well as Miami. But I think, you know, Virginia Tech can make this happen again. It's a lot to ask, but, you know, they, they're no strangers to being here. They were here last year in pretty much the exact same spot. So if they can make it happen, I, I do think they will have a case to, to get in. So, Gavin, I'm just going to ask any final thoughts before we move on from the men's team here. Well, building off of what uh, Ryan said, I think, you know, the people that are going to have to do this for this Virginia Tech team is Graham Basile, Justin Mutz, and Sean Padula. Those three specifically are going to have to play A-game basketball. They're going to have to play the best basketball of their careers down the stretch to get Virginia Tech in a position to put themselves into the NCAA tournament. But I also want to look at the bench. The bench has been very inconsistent, in my opinion, over the course of the year. We've had players come in, you know, Lynn Kidd has had a pretty good season, in my opinion. So is Poteet. Um, John Camden's even come in. He's hit some shots, really playing role player basketball. I think this team right now, it seems that they might be starting to mesh really well with Hunter Couture coming back from injury. And they are going to be able to look for pushing themselves into position for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. One more thing. Yeah, go for it. Go off your point there. The bench has really been uh, kind of improved by the play of John Camden. Uh, I think he's been, unless you, I mean, you might look at the stat sheet and say, oh, John Camden has two points or had zero points, whatnot. But he's really been an impact player off the bench because of his defense. His rebounding, his passing has been really solid. And you've really seen an uptick in his minutes, uh, much because of the absence of Darius Maddox. We'll see, you know, where that goes down the stretch of the season. But John Camden has really been a big impact player on this team because of his ability to go out on the floor and, you know, let somebody go to the bench and get a breather. I mean, we've seen games where Sean Padula's played 40 minutes, which is every single minute of the basketball game, to have somebody off the bench where you can put Couture at the point guard and uh, bring John Camden in, give Padula a breather, uh, or vice versa, get Couture out of the game, put John Camden in, get some minutes. I think is a really big part of this run here. And I think he's going to play a vital part down the stretch. You might not see it in his production. You probably won't, but I think that's besides the point. I think the fact that he can go out there and defend and swallow up rebounds 
make good passes, not turn, not turn it over. I think he's a very big player for Tech. And I think, to your point, that's really going to help out the bench, which has been kind of a point of emphasis this season for better and for worse. And so clearly a tough task ahead of Mike Young's men. I mean, you guys just called on the bench to do more. John Camden, MJ Collins, who's also stepped up in a big way. But with these last eight games, we, we'd have to expect at least six wins if we want to be anywhere on the bubble. Would I be correct there? Yeah, yeah. definitely. And so now we can flip to the other side of Virginia Tech hoops with the women's basketball team who have been lights out, to say the least, to start the season off. Currently ranked number 13 in the nation and only looking to go up even higher. They just came off their first ever road win against NC State in the history of being in the ACC. And actually their third win overall against NC State, who was ranked number 15 this season. Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech basketball ended up winning that game 73 to 61. So this woman's team, it's something we've got to bring up. I mean, last year they were a force to be reckoned with, and it seems like this year they've only gotten better. Would I be wrong there? No, you wouldn't. Uh, this team is definitely – I was talking to Daniel on WUVT where the season started, and we were predicting Elite Eight Final Four for this team. I mean, this team has just proven all season that they have what it takes. I mean, to bring up what you were talking about against NC State, you know, Kitley had a double-double. You know, I mean, she's not unknown to be having these kind of games, but, I mean, it's just amazing from her and to have three blocks on the defensive end. Like, she is just a really consistent, great two-way player for the Hokies. Yeah, I think that this Tech team is the best Tech team. It's not really a – it's a no-brainer. It's the best Tech team in years. I mean, Georgia Amor – playing incredible ball, a career high last night, 27 points on 11 of 21 shooting. Her and Liz Kitley combined for 52 of the 73 points. And, you know, a lot of the other players on the team didn't have great nights, only one other player in double digits in Kayla King. And that's the danger of this Tech team is when other players are off, there's going to be other players that are on. And that's just the scary, scary thing about this Tech team that you've got to look at. And you can't defend everybody. You've, you've got to give something up. And another thing last night that Tech did really well was capitalized at the free throw line, 12 of 13 from the line. Can't ask for much better than that. And just a really composed performance. It got within two there in the third quarter. And then Tech just ran away with it, which from Tech teams we've seen in the past, from this, the Tech team this year too, you know, sometimes when the game gets close, they collapse and it, it turns into, uh, you know, the other team starts running away with it. You know, Notre Dame Tech was in it the whole time and then they got punched in the mouth and, and didn't really respond. But that was the opposite at NC State. You know, just a really, really impressive performance in which Virginia Tech coast to coast just controlled the whole game, even when it got close. And I think we'll talk about it in a minute, but this schedule coming up, they can really propel themselves in the spotlight going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and so we can actually jump right into that further schedule. So currently sitting at 19-4 and four and 9-4 and four in the ACC, the Hokies really have been having their way as far as these conference games goes and really all their games overall, but kind of similar to the men where they need to win out to have a place in the tournament. The women's team's looking to win out to make a statement. They have five ranked opponents coming up in their next five games. It's going to be a gauntlet. Ryan, do you want to just get right into talking about it? Yeah, the Florida State game Sunday is going to be huge, and then it just every game from here on is huge. I mean, three of the four games they have coming up are at home against ranked teams, and they go on the road to face North Carolina, a team that they beat earlier in the season. But they, they have a revenge game against Duke. They can sweep against NC State. 
and they can sweep against North Carolina. So I think Virginia Tech, if they are able to somehow win these next three games against ranked opponents, which is certainly not out of the question, uh, I really think that the committee will have trouble not ranking them or not putting them as the top two or three seed. Because I think this Tech team, yes, there's the cream of the crop in South Carolina and UConn uh, and teams of that nature, but I don't see Tech falling far from that discussion. I mean, they're a really, really solid team. They have had their ups and downs. You know, that loss at Duke kind of hurt. The loss at Clemson is the one you look at, like the head scratcher, uh, 64 to 59 loss. And at Miami, who's not ranked, but they're in the upper echelon of the ACC, a very, very, very good ACC at that. So I think Tech, this this is about, as a team that wants to make a statement, this is about the best stretch you can hope for uh, in order to make that statement. I'm sure Kenny Brooks has a girls ready to go, and they know what's at stake. Again, they're not struggling to make the tournament like the men are, but it is a situation in which they can really improve their standing and build that momentum into a very winnable, I think, for this team, ACC tournament, and then into the NCAA tournament where they have their sights set a bit higher. I completely agree, Ryan. Um, I don't think you missed on a single point there. Uh, like you said, it, this is just a run that if they can win out, they're going to be looking at a top two or three seed. Gavin, I don't know if you have anything else you'd like to add on this women's basketball team. Yeah, so the upcoming game Sunday against Florida State, uh, Virginia Tech needs to be careful in this game. They've got a really good freshman, Tania Latson, who's leading the team with 22.5 points, but also leading the defensive side with 1.8 steals per game. So she's a two-way player, and, you know, freshmen always have more energy from what I've seen. So, I mean, she's definitely one of those players that Virginia Tech needs to watch out for because she might be able to put 20 on you before you've even realized what's happened. Yeah, I can't think if And that kind of happened that Duke game away, too, where they had uh, Cheyenne Day-Wilson, a young player. I believe she's a sophomore on the team. She just came out, and she started off the game five for five with 14 points before the end of the half. And it just kept going there in the second half. And that was a game where Virginia Tech had the lead once the whole time. And it was slightly a head scratcher seeing that Duke was a ranked opponent at the time, but it's a game you'd expect Virginia Tech to win. So for them to be blown out in that fashion, I like your saying of they need to be careful facing another ranked opponent in Florida State because this is a Tech team where although when they're going, they're going, sometimes they just hit these roadblocks and they can't seem to get over the hump. Yeah, I agree. And looking at that Duke game in the fourth quarter is as, as close as a 43 to 42 game at one point. And, you know, what I said earlier was Tech sometimes doesn't respond all that well to adversity. That's one of the criticisms I have with this team. Very few. But, you know, they they did, you know, they were outscored down the stretch there by 10 points uh, in that fourth quarter. They're outscored 25 to 15. So they've got to find a way. Obviously, these other teams have a lot of talent, too. You can't discount that. So, you know, if Tech is in a situation where they're leading and then it comes close again, they've got to find a way to get that momentum back. You know, whatever was working early on, you got to find it again in order to really control it down the stretch and, and come out with a win in these games because it is a very, very big stretch in which Tech can really prove themselves. And, you know, if you lose a couple down the stretch, I think the the – argument comes is this tech team losing momentum and is that going to affect them going forward into postseason play i think it's a really big stretch here not many teams in the country have a chance to play four ncaa tournament teams we'll make that five uh in consecutive games so i think this is a perfect uh interlude to the postseason play for this virginia tech team 
So like you guys said, two big stretches coming up for both teams. I personally am ready to wrap this up. Any final comments from the two of you? No, I'm just excited to see where both these teams go. And, you know, both obviously very different scenarios, but pretty equally important stretches, I'd say, uh, for different reasons. And we'll see how these two teams pan out in the last stretch of the season. It's crazy that we're already almost, you know, third through February. I mean, March is coming right around the corner. doesn't seem that way. It seems like the, the season just started a couple of weeks ago, but that's the thing with college basketball. It goes by before you know it, and we're, we're getting up against it. I mean, postseason play is right around the corner. Gavin, anything else from you? Nothing other than I think that the coaches are going to have these teams ready. They're going to be ready, and they're going to fight until the very end. Well, we'll see what Mike Young and Kenny Brooks have in in store for their squads. For Ryan Wilkes, Gavin James, I'm Robert Bateman. Thank you for tuning in to the 3304 Sports, 3304 Sports Podcast. Have a great night.